0: What's happening guys, this is episode 5 of the Prime Life Podcast, or technically the first episode of the Prime Life Podcast since my last name changed from the AC Podcast to the Prime Life Podcast. So, hope you enjoy the first episode of the Prime Life Podcast. Let's get stuck into it. This episode is sponsored by a product that I absolutely love. It is called Spoonful Botanical. So I've been using this product for the last six months and I just wanna give you a little background on the product itself. This is an all natural homemade food product that helps with inflammation and AIDS recovery. It's basically a blend of high quality herbs, spices, and fermented fruits which have renowned properties to combat inflammation and can be taken on a daily basis. The product is actually inspired by ancient Indian wisdom and there is currently no other food products like it on the market. I was actually introduced to the product from a friend of mine because I used to get a lot of pain in my knees when running. And it was mostly when I was doing long distance running. And I found I wasn't able to run for like three or four days later. I couldn't run the next day and my knees were all inflamed and my joints were inflamed. And since taking the product over the last six months, I've actually noticed a huge improvement. I mix it in with some Greek yogurt. I throw it into my tea at night or I just take a spoonful whenever whenever I'm in a rush. And it's absolutely delicious. So for me, it's a great preventative way to fight any inflammation that you might have and it's a great way not to take any anti-inflammatory drugs. So I really do recommend this product to any athletes or anyone who wants an all-natural way to improve their well-being in general. Please check out their product online at spoonfulbotanical.com where you can get a full list of their stockists or you can order directly online on their website. So let's get stuck into the podcast. My guest today is an international speaker, life coach, and pharmacist, and his name is Jack Kavanagh. So Jack is probably one of the most uplifting and positive guys I ever had the pleasure of spending some time with, and this is me being completely honest. The second I met him in the coffee shop, he had a big smile on his face, and his energy was infectious. It's just one of these guys you just always want to be around because he'll just lift your energy and your mood. So I just want to give a little background on his story before we get stuck into the podcast. In 2012, Jack Kavanaugh suffered a life-changing spinal cord injury, leaving him with 15% muscle function. This ignited a passion to explore both his own and others' potential. In the years since, he's become a noted life and performance coach, speaker, and pharmacist motivated to help others live more aligned, fulfilling lives. He was included in a list of 50 incredible people who are shaping modern Ireland in 2017 and was awarded as one of the 10 Outstanding Young People of the Year in 2019 as a dynamic individual who is doing inspirational work. For this episode of the podcast, Jack and I are raising money for Spinal Injuries Ireland. So please do check out my link in my bio of my Instagram where you can donate through the GoFundMe page. Spinal Injuries Ireland is the only support and service agency in Ireland for people who have sustained a spinal cord injury and their families. They provide a person-centered service to assist people to engage fully in society. If you can donate a couple of euro or as much as a cup of coffee to this worthy cause and to this amazing group of people, it would be much appreciated. So, without further ado, I hope you enjoy my conversation with the great Jack Kavanagh. Alright Jack Kavanagh, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much sir, how are we? Oh, we're good, we're good. It's an absolute pleasure to have you on. Thank you. So, Jack, I first came across you a couple of years back when I was scrolling on YouTube and I came across your TEDx talk. And I was completely taken back by obviously the event that happened, but more so your mindset around how, you, how you're approaching life now. And I love the quote that you had at the very end. But just to give the listeners a bit of context, what happened in 2012? And how has your life kind of unfolded from that moment? Yeah, so I
1: I really think that I was at a stage in my life um, uh, coming towards the end of my teenage years where, like everybody, I'd pushed out against the limits of my own comfort zones and my parents and my teachers and everybody else's. And I'd gone through a phase of like really questioning and trying to figure out who I was and how I fit in in the world. And I was starting to come up with some reasonably good answers. And um, around that time, one of the biggest things that I was interested in was windsurfing. And uh, for the summer, I would go down and work as an instructor in the west of Ireland in a place called Colas It's an Irish college down in Belmullet. And I remember on one of the first days down there that summer, cycling off to the beach. And it was one of those ideal scenes where, as you look back down the beach, the only footprints in the sand are your own and the sun was gently setting over the breaking waves and i just caught myself in that moment kind of just smiling um and i realized that i was really content with where i was with where i was going and the people that were around me and i was kind of comfortable with myself in a way that i hadn't really been um and at the end of this that summer which was about eight weeks later I went away on a holiday with about six or seven of my best friends uh, to Portugal and on that first day, like I'd done all summer, ran down the beach, dived into the water over a wave, not realizing just how shallow the water was and when I hit the bottom, uh, my head collided with the sand and I broke my neck and so that was very much a pivotal moment in my life. I went from this free independent young guy to um, really having the rug pulled out from me in a major way Um, and in many ways everything changed and in other ways nothing changed at all Um, but to give your listeners some context um, now I am a wheelchair user and that is a small part of my identity. (laughs) I do use a wheelchair. I have about 15% muscle function. So um, my shoulders, biceps and wrists work. Uh, I don't have any hand function and I'm paralyzed from the armpits down. Um, So I get around, I use a manual wheelchair. I have... um, as uh, I just left it out in Alex's hall here uh, an electric bike that I clip to my chair that helps me get around outside I drive I live a very expansive life um in in all areas of my life um but it's been quite a journey from that moment on the beach that day um
0: to where we are today <laughs> and it was just just like any other day and it was back back in 2012 wasn't it 2012. So I just turned Wait. 20 actually uh, about two weeks before that. And do you just remind me, was it a sand dune? It wasn't a rock was it? it was no, just... so it
1: was a sand bank and okay. the, the wave broke over the sand bank and when I dove over the wave there was basically just like a foot of water. Um. So in that moment like I, my head collides with the sand my whole body just goes limp. You feel like the subtle click in in the neck and uh, i wasn't in pain
0: there was nothing, no pain no pain at no all.
1: pain uh just heat in my neck and um but i was face down in the water and i couldn't move so
0: and luckily enough i read on your website or was it one of your blogs you have you're like you're um trained lifeguard lifeguard yeah yeah, yeah and and so
1: i had so much experience in the water from growing up um, sailing and kayaking and windsurfing and all, all the the rest of it. That I was actually remarkably calm, and uh, I just kind of had this moment. Nearly time kind of slows down a little bit, and I was super aware of what was happening. Um, thought about my my family.
0: Um, yeah, I, I was just gonna ask you, was it this? Did life flash before your eyes in a moment? Yeah,
1: and it's funny. I I often use that phrase and you only see it in a movie or whatever or hear about it in other people's stories. But yeah, you kind of have that moment of realisation of what are some of the more important things. And I thought to the guys on the beach and God, will they get to me before I black out? Um, And if they don't, like, what does that mean for them? How will they carry that going forward? And uh, luckily... Um, luckily, not too long later, Stephen put his hand in under my shoulder and pulled me up. And he said, "What are you playing at?" And I said, uh, "Steve, look, I I hit my head. I uh, think I've damaged my neck, and I can't move." And he, he dropped me back in the water, thinking it's I was joking. <laughs> <laughs> but I soon realised that I wasn't. No, you won't let that one down with him, I'm
0: sure. <laughs> <gasps> and yeah. how did the rest, what how what was the rest of the day look like then so
1: so yeah the guys took me from the water um laid me down on the sand and like kind of in in some ways chaos um ensued from there some of the guys ran to get the help of lifeguards to get my my details of my passport things like that from the apartment um but at the same time some of the others just lay on the sand beside me normal conversation you know how do you normalize a scenario like that and um, it wasn't long uh, before an ambulance crew arrived and they strapped me up they brought me to an ambulance and kind of at that point the fear really set in because the doors closed they wouldn't let my mates come with me and um, that was kind of the first time that I really felt kind of broken and alone and um they brought me to a helipad and at that point i was knocked out or else i went unconscious i don't really know um but i woke up the following day and my first memories are i was in intensive care at that point um my first memories are counting the eight screws in the light fitting above my head um kind of delirious. Uh, Then I became aware of a metal cage around my head, um, tubes going in my nose and down my throat to keep my vitals going, keep me fed and and breathing because I couldn't breathe by myself. And um, at that point, I I remember not too long afterwards, Gareth, um, one of the guys walking around the bottom of my bed and I was greeted by this smiling but tear-filled face, and I couldn't speak, but I mouthed the words, it's going to be okay, and that was really my first decision. Um,
0: It was an innate response. And And it's kind of echoed now to the way you're living your life at the moment, I believe. Mm. Because I remember watching that TEDx talk a couple of years back, and just as I said before, I was kind of taken back by your whole response on what happened and how you're dealing with life now and that you're full of life mm. and your approach to it and how you've responded to what a lot of people would say is is a you know it's a catastrophic accident and so going back to then your time in the hospital what 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 injuries actually did you have and exactly and so very
1: simply um i i damaged my neck um and I broke the fifth vertebrae down in my neck and essentially what happened was when I hit the sand, the one above it and below it pushed it in and uh, it cracked in half and it pushed in on my spinal cord and unlike other parts of your body, your spinal cord has a very weak capacity to regenerate itself and so basically I just have scar tissue going across my spinal cord um at the C5 level, uh, which is stopping the messages coming down. Now the knock on effects of that are pretty severe. Um a bit of scar tissue in other parts of your body um doesn't mean a whole lot but this is stopping some of the vital messages getting down. And it's pretty remarkable how resilient your body how resilient your body can be. Um in a scenario like that, like, and there's still the amazing things it can do and how it functions. So uh, in, in the rehab, what that really looked like was my first job was to learn to breathe unaided, um, to come off the ventilator. And then it was to begin the journey of learning to reuse this body that worked in a slightly different way. And as physically demanding as that was like it was much more of a mental challenge because once again i had to go back and answer a lot of the questions that i'd come up with good answers for as a teenager um all over again and in doing that i i questioned had i fundamentally changed as a person and i realized that i was still the exact same person but that i just uncovered different parts of myself and and I think that stands true for for anybody. Um, when either you face a big challenge or you take on a big challenge, you realise that you're capable of more than you ever imagined possible, and that you've got reserves and capacity, um, to rise that you you never previously envisaged.
0: Um, so yeah, that's that's um a big thing. You go off fearless like a child. I love it.
1: Yeah. So so I I shared this story about um as a as a child that we were told in primary school the following week we could bring our bikes in and at that stage I was riding the bike with my stabilizers and over that weekend I spent every waking hour or minute and practicing on my bike and we got down to one stabilizer and by Monday morning I was going in with no stabilizers on the bike. And I conclude the TED Talk, I think, by by saying uh, what people didn't recognize when I had this injury was that there's still that little kid inside me um, that wanted to cycle without my stabilizers. And that was kind of a bigger metaphor for, for my life. Um,
0: um, and you can see it now. I mean, you're... <laughs> You're full of life. Mm. When I met you today, big smile on your face. You couldn't stop smiling. You know, you could meet somebody on the street, your mates, and they could be in a bad mood. But I just love that energy off it. It's, it's fantastic. And I saw it in your speeches and and your talks and your other videos that you're doing. So what? What? What I'm trying to what What makes you? How do you keep that positive mindset? Mm. Or what? Were, what were your techniques? I suppose when you were going through. Okay, well, let me rewind maybe back to the time. Did, there's the five stages of grief. I don't know if you, maybe, did you go through those stages? Yes, I'm so happy you brought that up. Um,
1: <laughs> because I was going to call you out on the positive mindset. Um, I, I very much, I would phrase my mindset as being an optimistic realist. Okay. So what I mean by that is, look, I recognize that we all face challenge, strife, adversity, tough times, times where things do not go as we would like. But I'm also an optimist in the way that I look at that because I also see the possibility and the opportunity and the magic that lies in people in the world. And so with that, as I went through the The years, uh, the early years after my injury, I had seven years this year, actually, um, since it happened. And those early years were very much I was grieving, as you do after any kind of trauma or any kind of sense of a loss. Um, And you have to grieve for the life that was so that you can live the life that is. Um, and if you don't grieve for it properly, you get caught in the loop of of being stuck in the past, of trying to um in some way bring that into the present, and and failing to acknowledge that that reality is a little bit different than that now. Um, but I had to I had to go through that trauma and grieving process and there's five stages as you said and you can feel them over the course of a couple of months or a year or years and then at different times you feel all of them within the space of a couple of hours and um gradually though and the last stage is as you go through the bargaining and 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 so on you gradually come to some sort of acceptance um but that really only happens after you go to the depths and the darker places, and I very much did that, I really um, remember the summer that, so it would have been coming up on a year after the injury, and I spent seven months in hospital, and I came home, I moved back out into the countryside, a lot of my friends at that stage were going away on J1s, and I was in that loop of comparing my life as it should have been based on my expectations um to where to where it actually was and i was caught in the comparison loop of looking at the things that my friends were doing and should have been doing and um, they shouldn't have put their lives on hold in any way uh for me compared to where i was and that was so jarring um i felt like my freedom had been ripped away from me in such a big big way i was still really come to terms with things and figuring out everything um uh, but i really had to sit with that reality uh, of how things actually were and when i did that um i went pretty deep into a dark place and there was days and weeks at a time where i couldn't speak to people um, but more so I wouldn't make eye contact because I just really didn't want people to see the that deep existential angst that I was experiencing and it was that raw heartfelt pain um, the, the groveling feeling that numbness that you just can't really put words on and um, gradually I started to come through it and uh the reason that i believe i came through it so well and and look it's a cycle and you peel back the layers and and over time you think you've dealt with things and just as you're getting to a great place the rug is pulled out again and you peel back another layer of it and it's that ongoing willingness that is so important to explore yourself and the depths of yourself because the deeper you go um, in one direction, it gives you capacity to go higher back up in the other direction. Um, I really think it's like a heart rate monitor. You have to experience the highs and the lows as you go along. And that's what teaches you you're alive. And if you don't go low, you don't have the perspective of what it means to really understand what it is to be high. Um, so over time um, I, I started to come out of it and really I believe that what pulled me out of it was this bigger vision that I had and you mentioned it earlier and um, when I was in rehab I decided that I needed a bigger vision I needed to be inspired by a bigger vision and if you just think for a second about what the word inspire means it means to breathe in and um, And so this vision would become the breath of life for me in some ways. That would, it would be my air or my sustenance or oxygen when things got tough. Um, And the inspiration came from the inside out, I suppose. And at that time, as I was learning to breathe in rehab, um, that vision became to get back to college the following year, which was a mountain to climb, you know, at that time. Um, but 13 months later, I found myself living away from home and back in college. Wow,
0: that's unbelievable, man. Mm. And look, to the outside world, that looked like a massive
1: success story.
0: Well, it is. Absolutely is. Yeah. But, but I mean, to have that vision. Yeah. You need extremely, I think, a str- an extremely strong mindset to, and I, sh- I suppose it goes back to the, going back to the importance of having that that vision and having that those future goals because if we don't have something to reach towards then we're not really moving in the right direction at all
1: mm. but so, i do i do think it's important to say like at that time it was i was barely surviving like yeah uh, i got back to college and at that stage i hadn't figured anything out and it was taking me three hours and the assistance of two people to get up in the morning um, three
0: hours to get Three
1: hours to go through the bits and pieces that I needed to do, uh, the added bits and pieces, and like I'd be so exhausted by lunchtime that I would just fall asleep in a table somewhere because I was too tired to physically go through the act of getting into bed. Um, like that's kind of the level that we were at at that stage. Um, but I knew one of the biggest reasons I went back to college was by putting myself in that stretching environment. Um, so not in the comfort zone, but in the stretch zone um, and being surrounded by, by environmental cues like friends and academics, things that would stimulate me and support me, um, that I had a lot of those sort of points of connection that I was missing um, otherwise and they would be my buffers as I sort of struggled through. But I was also studying pharmacy, which is pretty intense degree and I knew um, that as part of this bigger vision and and just for sheer day-to-day practicality that I couldn't like continue to have a regime where it took me three hours to get up in the morning and so all of those things kind of got me to a point where I started to look at habits and routines and different approaches to thinking and things like that and For example, now I have my routine down to like just over an hour and look, I still need a bit of assistance in the morning getting up um, but to get get up and ready for the day, but um, that's a mammoth difference and it means that my spinal cord injury now has a very, the way I've set myself up has like quite a small impact on my day um, and how I live my life.
0: I loved your whole metaphor or analogy of to move forward, you have to kind of deal with your past and step into the, the, that darker unknown place. And the next question I was going to ask you was from moving, let's say those five stages of grief, from denial to acceptance between those, what did you gravitate towards? Was there any pillars did you move what 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 did you need as a human being in the, in that state did you find yourself picking up new behaviors new habits and was it connections with people i suppose on an emotional level more I, so
1: i think a big thing that you need well look you you named one of them there is is a willingness to and a willingness and an environment where you feel safe enough to be vulnerable um and look, every part of me was vulnerable. At that stage, it was kind of undeniable, but um, but that when you're ready or when you're given the gentle push that you you can express some of what you're going through and some of that emotion is one thing. But a big thing that I needed at that stage was was hope, like um, some sort of role model that, that I could hold on to. And... I think for all the negative things about the internet and and so on, there's so much good about it. And one of the things for me was that it allowed me to seek out these role models that that gave me hope at that time. And so I was pretty bullish actually about finding people online that were were in similar scenarios to me or had been through like massive adversity in their lives. And had come out, and they weren't just surviving, but like they were really thriving, you in, in a way that was meaningful for them. Um, and and I sought those people out, and I and I approached them, and got to know these people, and I learned from them, and I read their books, and I I watched their movies, and they gave me a, a path forward when when times were really challenging. Um, so. So that was a huge thing, was like, I needed to have the hope that, whilst I had this bigger vision, I needed some form of evidence to keep that
0: candle of hope alive, that... Look, that it, was, it, it, it can be done. It can be done, yeah. So, Jack, how did how did you end up studying life coaching?
1: Yeah, so this is something that evolved over a couple of years. I... As I sought out role models and and people to to instill that bit of hope to me uh, and back into my life, I I started gravitating towards people that were coaches and speakers and as well as as other role models. And from them, I I learned a huge amount. But I also said, "Wow, isn't it incredible that they have the capacity to?" to help shift someone's perspective, to instill something um, in that person that they might have needed at that time, to to reshape their mindset and to help them to move towards something that's more meaningful to them. And it was also all the stuff that I needed at that time. Um, I started reading their books, like devouring and their podcasts and videos on YouTube and it was a world that I was spending more and more time, um, yeah, more and more time throwing myself into. And I wanted to be that person for, for someone else. Um, I also felt that a huge amount of things that I could give and share, and I really wanted to do that. um. And so over time, uh, I explored different areas. I was reading an awful lot of psychology. I was reading an awful lot of personal development uh, work. Um, and really a lot of work about just human human existence and performance and and things like that. And and the natural fit was for me to, to go and train yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's in a coaching.
0: Great, you can add so much value to it. I mean, what you've gone through is just it's a, it's funny how things work out i suppose isn't it it's like sometimes the the worst the worst things that can happen can lead to different paths and to help and you can help people go if they're going through the same journey whatever it might be if it's more of um uh, like a a mental side of it or a psychology side to it or if it's any tough situations or times they're going through i mean you've kind of gone through it all in terms of mentally and physically Mm. And I love your I love your uh, your your tagline on Instagram. Um, it is what is it again? It's something about uh, helping people bring out the magic within themselves. Yeah, is I help that people. I, think you gotta come I help
1: from. people bring their magic to the world. That's it. That's the one. Yeah, yeah. I I really believe that everybody has their own unique ta- talent, skills, um, ways of showing up in the world, and I'm all of these things that make them entirely unique totally different to anybody else and and you can brand all of that together as that individual's magic um in my eyes anyway um when it's when they're expressing themselves and showing up as who they are for the world for themselves you know in the world for themselves they are going to be performing at their best and helping people to tap into that is is key and there's this idea that Every person is both a masterpiece and a work in progress at the exact same time. Um, And I really love that because for me, it's like when you're born, the odds of you being born are one in 400 trillion, which one in 400 trillion, like it's insane. Like there's clearly a reason that each person was here and like, there's a reason that that sperm won the race <laughs> and
0: uh, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean yeah. um, and uh, and uh, yeah everybody has their own un- values unique strengths, interests but and from, I,
1: from, from the moment you're born then you the world starts tapping away at that you know and chipping yeah. away and yeah. you become socially conditioned and and so on and so much of society takes us away from our essence. Yeah. And really I'm about helping people to get back to their sort of truest core um, and helping them to bring that to the world more often. Because why do you we, think
0: why would you think people aren't being their authentic selves, as you would call it? I know you spoke about that before, but
1: Yeah, well, a lot of this is about authenticity and and, and that's hard. Um because it requires vulnerability. It requires bravery to begin, and then courage to continue. It requires uh, stepping over the line of fear repeatedly. Um, there's so many elements that that are there, and um, there's there's belief systems and stories that we tell ourselves and get told that we are conditioned by life events like things things that happened to to us when we were younger when we were powerless that then go on and shape us um, and we tell ourselves well as a child the, the story that gives us some sort of control is oh it must be me um, or it's my fault or I'm a bad person or I'm not good enough Um and these kind of things go on, and they have such destructive force in our lives that that it's only um, when we really start to peel back this and explore these things that we see how they how they infiltrate every part of our lives, and um, like it shows up as pain, and people don't like to experience that discomfort, and so you you find that people try to numb that pain in different ways, whether it be repeated dopamine hits that they get off instagram um whether it be going for the one or two drinks on a weekend and finding yourself in an absolute heap whether it is uh binge watching porn whether it's like going from relationship to relationship these are all ways of like numbing and taking yourself away from yourself um whereas a big part of this and look we already touched it it's like it's coming to terms with its grief it's coming to terms and sitting with yourself and long enough to feel that discomfort and as you do you can start to start to process some of it and when you do you just realize i don't have to buy into this i can be free and i know you're big into peter crone and he speaks a lot about this kind of stuff yeah yeah i only um.
0: recently kind of came across him and yeah he's i love his work yeah so far anyway yeah it's very powerful mm. and that's kind of he's kind of uh, like tipping into the clinical hypnotherapy that that kind of work of like diving back into your past and kind of restructuring stories and reframing different scenarios in your brain that label us as as people or your own identity you form your own identity of what what has happened in the past
1: yeah yeah and, and tony robbins would say uh, mm-hmm. one of the strongest human desires or needs is to remain consistent with your identity so if yeah. your identity is that you're a high achiever um and things start to go subtle things start to go wrong in your life mm-hmm. yeah. um like it
0: it's gets, it, it'll stress you out it's gonna it's not
1: long oh, before gone. stress and anxiety and and the the whirlwind that that surrounds all of that in the slow yeah. spiral downwards and like I I think a lot of the work for example that Peter Crone does and it's, it's fascinating is he he sort of liberates people from the cages that they've put themselves in from yeah, the past absolutely. so that they can exist more in the present and they're not so worried, like they,
0: they, they know that they have the capacity to mm-hmm. deal with what's coming in the future. Yeah like I started studying a little bit of NLP and a lot of it is yeah, neuro-linguistic programming mm-hmm. It's your inner critic, your inner voice, what language are you using on yourself, describing yourself. And it it forms this, it surrounds you in this kind of box that you can't stretch out of because you're, you've, you in a way, defined yourself as a person. And it's the language you use. It's, the, it's also the people we hang out with, the beliefs that we have. It's the stories we create. And I think... As you know, as we started, we both studied life coaching, and and you were at the Irish Institute, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, I was at Kingston College, yeah. But I think it's kind of breaking down those barriers and letting showing people what they can achieve, what they can bring to the world, what 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 can they break out of with their own beliefs and barriers, and I think it's a really valuable, valuable thing to offer what you're doing, and and you've you have gone through a huge amount of, of of ups and downs as you say uh, that you can now offer that to people and, and whatever struggles they're going through
1: i think it's it's subtly taking people away from this like fear-based judgment way of looking at the world where where everybody's looking at me well really they're not like people are so preoccupied with their own lives that they're not um and helping you helping anybody to maybe reframe the way they they see the world and interact with it in a more open and abundant way and that might sound a bit woo-woo to some people but really it's it's about uh an openness and again this phrase will will seem a bit woo-woo but like it's it's coming from a place of love rather than a place of fear and you can name that in any way that you want but like that's a primal like energy vibration in terms of how you show up this is how people pick pick you up you said when when we met that like straight away you picked up on my energy and and my smile well like as i go around the place and if i'm coming from that kind of a place that's what's reflected back to me um like when i smile at the the person who's handing me a coffee from behind the counter like she's smiling back at me you know and if i give her negative energy like it's far easier for her to give me that back as well um and so really we create the world that we exist in um and it's hard it's like that a lot of responsibility comes with that when you realize that um when you get those new insights and that level of awareness it comes with sort of a, a, a level of responsibility because you actually realize wow as an adult i'm in control of this um But also, coming from a place of more openness rather than a fear-based place, like, allows you to exist more in the present, it relieves you from worrying so much about the future. Because, you know, like, when that happens, I will actually be able to manage with that. Um, Like, as a kid, you developed all these amazing skills like as a child you naturally have a growth mindset you are open you're curious you're resilient you're persistent you're you know when to rest um you're emotionally open and available uh, and emotionally honest you're completely authentic in every way
0: and probably a big one is fearless
1: yeah um and and like understandably kids need to be taught healthy boundaries and things like that around around that like fearless mentality they just own. yeah yeah absolutely i mean yeah it, it serves a purpose to a point but yeah but like healthy the, boundaries yeah um yeah. but like when we start realizing that actually if you've made it this far you can handle nearly anything and and you don't have to handle it all at once it's like the more you stay present in the moment the more capable you are of responding well and like, like they say, how you respond and act and, and your daily habits today predict your future. And if you're coming from a place of, like, compassion and gratitude and being more open and loving for yourself and others, like, that paints a pretty nice picture of a future for you. Yeah,
0: um, yeah it, it carves a, a future path. It carves something that, that you can go towards. I am um, talking about being in the present. Just going back to Peter Crone, I thought it was a great quote he had. Is is like when we're living in the mind, we're living in either in the past or the future. And when you're living in the present, you're you're putting your your attention, your surroundings, and your senses here. Do you think in in this day and age, 2019, it's it's people are living in their heads an awful lot, if we to go by that metaphor. What what techniques are when you when you were going through that moment when you were going through that period? How did you stay in the present moment? How did you not dive into your head and think about the past or the future? Was there any techniques or tips that you could give to the audience on how you stayed in the present moment and you focused on the now?
1: Yeah, well, oh, this is like a journey that goes on and on and on. Um, when I'm
0: speaking about, uh, for example,
1: with with teams and things about well-being, um, one of the biggest things is I talk about like the level of stimulation that we all get and um, particularly from online environments, like we're just being bombarded all of the time. So one of the biggest uh, practices for me to develop was to learn how to quieten my mind. And when you do that, you're bringing yourself more into the present. So uh, that began with journaling. Um, Now, what is journaling? Journaling is simply asking yourself questions and taking the time to answer them yeah um yeah. it's it's pretty simple yeah, stuff big thing in coaching big yeah. Thing, yeah but it's like we know we know all the people around us um on the celebrities online and the people we follow on instagram far more than we ever know ourselves um and you sit down and you start asking yourself these questions you realize some amazing things about yourself some hard things and things get revealed pretty quickly um, journal journaling was amazing for me because it helped me to start to put together the pieces of the puzzle and um, what were my triggers what were the things that that were beneficial or or um, or not in my life and and as time went on I got to know myself better that level of self-awareness is something that it just expands and it expands and there's always new layers to it but uh, without doing the work you don't get any of the benefits so journaling was the first thing and i have um like a diary slash journal like a physical one and one that i keep on evernote on my phone and laptop and i can access that anywhere anytime um and that'll be like a depository for ideas or for answering questions or things like that Um, The second thing that I did was I started to do um, breathing exercises. And I know you recently had someone on speaking about breathwork. Well, breathwork is like the first step towards meditation, from my point of view anyway. Um, Meditation can seem very out there and hard to to grapple with. Um, And it is a practice. It's something that you develop over time. But for me, breath work and just focusing on my breath was a real way of like centering myself and taking myself out of my head and into my body and all that kind of work. And, and it, it's very much present focused as well, which I loved. Um, and then the third piece that really helped me to sort of quiet my mind, not even quiet my mind, but just to develop
0: an awareness and
1: to watch my mind.
0: That's a very good point. Yeah, very um, good point. I think, uh, was being meditation. aware, being aware of your thoughts more so. Yeah. Like I, I, I read, um, did you ever might read a book, Michael A. Singer's Unfettered Soul? I'm halfway through Are it at the you? moment. <laughs> great. <laughs> what a book. Oh, it's a great book, isn't it? Yeah. I gave it to one of my friends recently <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's, it's the best book I've honestly, I, I know this might sound cheesy or cliche, but it's the best book I've ever read like oh, yeah. personal development or mindset book i've ever read the first four chapters i read them three
1: times <laughs> yeah. like before i moved on i'm like this this is said
0: so simply but it's so simply but
1: it is blowing yeah. my mind <laughs> yeah.
0: it's amazing and it's absolutely yeah. amazing and and he as he said he simplifies it so, like it and to a point where you're like wow this is this is so easy how did i never know this before and it's it's an incredible book.
1: Yeah, but when 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 we recognise that, like that mind chatter that's going on, is not us. It's it's yeah. it's a conversation that's happening all the time in inside of you. Um, yeah. It's not actually you. Um, and it's an incredible book. But um, but when you when you start to realise that, and you can just watch this conversation that's happening in your mind, you realise that. We're all a little bit nuts, yeah, yeah,
0: and yeah. and it's a much more leveling feeling and way of operating in the world. Yeah, I actually got an audio book as well, so I listen to it in the car if I need. To. But yeah, no, it's a that's that's something that's really changed my life, and uh, it was my fiance's mother who gave it to me. It just changed my life completely. Yeah, it is one of those. It's a practice more so. You you can't just read the book. I don't think, and then just know it for life you kind of have to go back to it and read it again and i would agree
1: and my uncle was the person that told me about it and he said that he leaves it on his kitchen table and like every week he'll just open a new chapter and he's been doing that for years you know yeah
0: it is great it is great
1: another book that was uh wonderful for me was um it's called uh, "Fear" by Thich Nhat Hanh. Uh, he's a Buddhist monk, and it's about it's about letting go of fear, and it's about that the present moment. Um, the green platform was was one that okay. really shaped me. No, I never read. It. Um, so written by an Irish guy called Declan Coyle, and it essentially says that like we can frame any event in our lives on either a green or a red platform. Okay. Um, The event is just an event. It's neither good or bad. It's how we perceive it that makes it so.
0: Absolutely. Perception. Yeah, it's a big thing. Mm. Um,
1: Yeah, I think I heard an amazing thing
0: said by Seth
1: Godin recently. He said, a book is the best value you'll get anywhere in the world. Because here is a piece of work that somebody has poured six months to a number between six months or a number of years into you can buy it for what 10 15 euro yeah um and if you gain like two pearls of wisdom from that person's experience or what they have to say that can entirely reshape your life
0: so i wanted to bring up your recent post actually with um your exo robot Mm. that looked that looks great. That looked, is it something that you have at home or is it...
1: So, for context, the, the exobionics um, robot, it's, it's kind of like the future now. <laughs> um, it's, uh, it's an exoskeleton that, that uh, was designed originally actually for soldiers to be able to carry more weight. Um, without putting extra strain on themselves and then they realized it was therapeutic applications for this and so they redesigned it so that it can help people for example with spinal cord injuries or um, other neurological issues or things like MS or stroke or things like that to, um, to train, to walk, to relearn and the movement patterns and things like that with the with robot assistance. And who is this sorry who's this developed by or made by this? So it's by the company is called Exobionics and they're uh, based in um, San Francisco in California. Um well, so yeah. so it's been on the market for maybe eight, ten 10 years now uh, in in increasingly advanced forms but um and I've used it since oh 2013 I've had access at different points to get to walk but now they've got a program based in DCU um, in in Dublin and uh, they're they're training people um, and doing research at the same time so it's brilliant there's like a full-time uh, there's one full-time in Dublin now that we can get access to and uh, yeah really. psychologically it's as good a, a thrill as it is for the body you know
0: wow that's amazing and is it is it like a paid service or is it is it supplied by dcu
1: so at the moment because they're doing research it's fully funded okay which is phenomenal and the idea is that it will and there's a fully trained and um, uh physio um ronan langan is his name um he was in the rehab for a long time he was a senior physio in the rehab and now he's dedicated himself to this and and so it will get to the point where he will be training people um up and you can come in and maybe use the second robot ideally on pay per session but um for the initial phase uh, while they're doing research it's it's free which is pretty incredible that's
0: amazing that's great it's a great service isn't it
1: incredible yeah um and look people are supposed to be up and walking uh it's common sense it's only going to do good things for people will this help your movement in any way or is this so i can frame it for you this way um um at the moment um i have what's known as a complete spinal injury so uh that means that there's minimal messages getting through my spinal cord Other people will have what's called an incomplete spinal injury, which means that there is like residual um, movement um, that they can control. And it's particularly beneficial for people like that because they can build that level of control. But there's a third... um, Uh, school of thought which is uh, around neuroplasticity and this is the idea that just like the brain can learn and develop and reshape based on the environmental cues it gets and training that it gets so can the spinal cord and the body. Uh, People know that that makes sense in relation to if you go to the gym and you stress your body it responds by getting stronger um, and you train over time and your body adapts. Well the thinking is is the same with spinal cord. Um, that the more you train over time new pathways form and you strengthen those pathways. So for example, I have um my level of sensation changes um and things like that after I've been walking and um Oh really So, it does. So yeah, yeah, it's really
0: oh, okay. interesting, yeah. In what just different parts of your body or yeah? Are and, areas? and
1: you've like got I I particularly have increased um, awareness in different parts of my legs and things like
0: that oh, that's amazing so that's it's it, look for the benefits we're gonna keep doing it <laughs> yeah for sure absolutely that's that's great so i wanted to just finish up because i know we're tight for time so thanks very much for coming i really appreciate it and i hope the listeners are able to get some value from it of course they will but i wanted to finish up on what advice if you to give three tips on how to get through a tough time what tips would you give so i have three my three biggest
1: lessons that i um that i share um in some of my talks um the first one is everybody has their shit it's just boxed in different ways so going down the street my challenge or my my shit is very obvious But what I can't see is that, like, Mary from across the road is struggling with anxiety and barely got out the door that day. That Joe Bloggs is um, financially struggling. That another person's parent was diagnosed with a condition or they've lost someone they love. The list goes on and on and on. Someone's struggling with their sexuality, whatever it is. Everybody has their challenge, their adversity, their shit. It's going to hit at some stage and nobody gets away. And it's all relative as well, based on your life exposure. So that puts everyone on a very level playing field, actually. Um, and it's, for me, when I kind of came to terms with that, it gave me a lot of solace when I was going through more challenging times. So that's the first one. And the second thing is the, the power of choice. Um, that over time, the choices we make dictate whether we survive or we thrive in our lives and I mean the small choices that we make day in day out so saying yes or no saying I can or I can't I will try or I won't and they're the small decisions we make as to how we start our day how we interact with people how we talk to ourselves when we look in the mirror these are the little things that compound over time to shape your vision of yourself, your world, that create your world, and that really dictate how you're gonna show up um for yourself and everyone around you. Um and in a relatively short space of time, your life can go from a place where the struggle is very real, um, to where you are creating things that you could have only dreamed of. Um and and seeing life in a very different manner and so that would be the second thing is that um the power of your choices is is really yeah not to be taken for granted um the third and probably the most important thing comes back to the whole idea of magic is that each one of us is entirely unique um and this lesson is essentially impress yourself um we're doing a disservice to ourselves if we compare ourselves to anybody else. Um, everyone is on such an individual journey. And that that idea that maybe the only person we should compare ourselves to is who we were yesterday is something that I found really beneficial. Um, it's often said, comparison is the thief of joy. And I really do think it's true. And I'll finish maybe with... With something that I wrote at a time in my journal when I was having a bit of an existential crisis, and I was really grappling with what it means to be to be human and to live well. Um, and so, I, what I wrote is: there is no right or wrong path; just a series of events that gives us a flavour of what it is that either sets our heart alight or dampens our soul. What I do know to be true is that in a life that is not always a smooth ride, in a world that is more disillusioned, disconnected, and full of people wearing masks than ever before, the bravest thing that any person can possibly do, despite the challenges they may face, is to bring their authentic selves to the world, and that that is when the magic will happen. So, really, I, I would wish people the bravery to begin, and the courage to continue, in removing some of those masks on connecting with people uh, and yourself more and slowly that sense of disillusionment will start to dissipate um, but it takes courage to begin, and or bravery to begin and courage to continue
0: Wow Jack, that was inspiring to say the least <laughs> without a doubt Jack Cavanagh Thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. I really appreciate it. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed listening to it. And Jack, uh, just to finish off, are you taking on anybody as anyone as clients or at the moment are you where can they find you um, on, on online? Is it are you doing speeches and talks as well? So just Yeah, so
1: I, I'm doing a lot of speaking at the moment. Um, I am taking on some new clients in the new year. Um, so please do reach out if you're interested um, the best way to get me at the moment is uh, on any of the online platforms uh, Jack Kavanagh IRL um, it looks like Jack Kavanagh girl when you write it all down but <laughs> I uh, didn't know so.
0: <laughs>
1: it's uh, Jack Kavanagh uh, Ireland uh, so Jack Kavanagh IRL yeah. you can shoot me an email at hello at jack-kavanagh.com on my website there as well, jack cavena.com And it's been uh, reconstructed at the moment, actually. So bear with me. Uh,
0: but, uh, yeah. <laughs> and some you're nice starting a changes. podcast next year, so best of luck with that.
1: Thank you very much. Yeah, exciting times. Yeah, Lots of good stuff happening.
0: Well, look, thanks very much, Jack. And happy Christmas to you. Happy yeah, Christmas to you. merry Christmas to podcast. you. Okay, thanks a million. Best of luck, jack, This is episode zero or the introductory episode of the AC podcast. My name is Alex Collins and I am a life coach and advanced clinical hypnotherapist. And in today's episode, I just wanted to give you a really quick summary and what you can expect from listening to the show. So first off, in these podcasts, I will be having in-depth conversational interviews with athletes, high performers, psychologists, entrepreneurs, coaches, trainers, or just anybody who has an inspiring story to share. So in the process of speaking with these people, I want to try and dissect and dig deeper into their philosophies, their principles, their beliefs, and their mindset, and try and understand what makes them really excel and drive forward in life. I wanna try and learn as much as I possibly can from my guests, and hopefully there will be some actionable takeaways that you can identify with and use in your own life, if it's anywhere from strategies to tactics, life hacks, habits, rituals, or even some of the motivations that they have used. Now there will be no real structure or time frame on how frequent episodes will be released but I will be sharing all the podcast information on my social media platform so please do check in on AC Life Coach both on Instagram and Facebook. Episode 1 will be released next week and I have some amazing guests lined up over the next few weeks and few months. I'm really looking forward to this new podcast journey and engaging with you all on different topics and hopefully you can take some real value from it or at least just leave with a curious or intriguing new thought. So guys, thanks for listening and until next time, take care.